Gordon Hayward's impact on the salary cap. Another question about who I'd take in a fight and a whole lot more on this Friday mailbag edition of the Locked On Celtics podcast. Millets, let's go. Crowd goes crazy, most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Happy post-Thanksgiving Friday, Black Friday, if you're out there shopping, starting your Christmas shopping, your holiday shopping, whatever it is you're doing, I appreciate the fact that you're also including the Locked On Celtics podcast in that routine. It's a Monday through Friday podcast, minus the holiday this week, but generally speaking, if you're a new listener, I do the show Monday through Friday. I'm John Corrales. I'm the Boston Celtics beat reporter at MassLive.com, and I host this show on a daily basis. You regular listeners, thank you for subscribing. Your five-star ratings, your good written reviews are awesome. You've propelled this show to the second favorite sports podcast in New England, according to a recent survey of 16,000 New Englanders. That's amazing. And the number one Boston Celtics podcast in the world, according to the iTunes rankings. So, thank you all. If I'm thankful for anything, I'm thankful for that. Because you guys are awesome, and I really appreciate your support and your subscriptions and all of that stuff. Today, Friday, mailbag time. Lots of fun questions. I did half of the answers on MassLive.com. So go to MassLive.com slash Celtics, or follow the link that I tweeted out, and you can read some of the answers. So if you sent me a question, and I don't answer it here, it's on MassLive. So I answer all of the questions that you send and just split it up. So let's just start here from Dirk S who says, I have a question about the Hayward situation. The salary impact is not clear to me. Uh, if Hayward just walks for some reason that would not clear 35 million off the books. So hence they would prefer the sign and trade. I do not understand this mechanism. It would seem logically that the Celtics have less salary to pay, and then could use this to pay a new player. And then he also asks, side question, will you have a new Millie's intro for the new season? Okay, I have not asked Millie's for a new intro because he's like really starting to blow up. He's traveling around the world. Like, I think he might be past the uh, past podcast intro songs. I think like he's he's kind of getting big, and I, I just don't know if I want to ask him for a new intro song. I like this one. I'm just gonna keep using it for now, and then I don't know whatever. Well, however that works out works out. But uh, so no, I, right now I do not have a new Millie's intro for the new season. The question about the Hayward and the salary cap. Here here's a quick primer on how the salary cap works basically. So it's a $109 million salary cap. So you start at like zero, right? You add all the player salaries up and for a team like 
you know, the New York Knicks or the Atlanta Hawks that started like a rebuilding, sometimes the combined salaries don't don't go past the salary cap. You're below the cap. So you have enough money to spend on a free agent. If you're below the cap, you can use that money to spend on a free agent. Eventually, teams start to get expensive. You draft guys, you draft two, three rookies. Eventually, if they're good, you're going to have to pay them. And then on top of it, you're signing these free agents. So the Celtics signed Al Horford. They signed Gordon Hayward. They traded for uh, Kyrie Irving. They drafted Jason Tatum. They drafted Jalen Brown. All of these salaries add up. And this is what's called a soft cap in the NBA. At $109 million, like, well, I forget what the salary cap was when they first started signing these guys, but you can go past $109 million. You can use exceptions. There, there are ways to go past $109 million. It's not hard capped at $109 million. So the Celtics had cap space. They signed some players. They traded for a guy. They traded out a little less salary. They took back more salary because salary matching is only up to, depending on the deal, 125%, maybe 150%, 175% in some cases. Um, but that's the range. So you can take back more salary than you send out, even if you're over the cap. And then you draft a guy, you, your draft picks, doesn't matter where you are on the cap, you add your draft picks. And the draft picks are at a certain salary slot. And at the top of the draft, you make a lot of money. $5 million, $6 million, $7 million. And then when those guys come up for free agency, restricted free agency, you can use a thing called bird rights to go over the cap. So caps at $109 million, They have a guy like, like a few years ago, they, Marcus Smart. They were over the cap. Marcus Smart was on the team for a few years as a rookie. He's a restricted free agent. They want to sign him. You can, you can just pay whatever you negotiate because – that's an exception. You can use a mid-level exception. We talk about mid-level exceptions. The Celtics are over the cap this year, but they use the mid-level exception to sign Tristan Thompson. So you can keep adding salary to your team. So the Celtics' salary was high enough where losing Gordon Hayward didn't bring them below the salary cap line. It brought them below the tax line, but just because there's a cap in the NBA, it's complicated. I, and I, I could spend a lot of time. And somebody's asked me this, and, and maybe I, I will get somebody on so we can go through and explain some of these mechanisms. But seriously, though, it's it's so complicated. There's so many different ways that things can go. It's hard to really kind of explain everything without people going cross-eyed like the salary cap matching thing two teams trade for players what are the salary cap salary matching rules <laughs> well if you're trading a team to a team that has salary cap space like the charlotte hornets it's a different set of rules you can send gordon hayward to charlotte for zero get back a traded player exception and that's fine but you can't do that to a team that's over the cap. 
You can't trade Gordon Hayward to the LA Lakers for nothing. You've got to get salary matching in return. And because he makes so much salary, you have to match within 125%. If you're trading two guys that make like less than $5 million, you can match up to, I think it's 175%. There's so many different tiers and levels. Just, Just me explaining that one little bit to you, you're probably like, what? There are so many avenues around the different things, different elements of the salary cap. It's, it is tough to explain. But what you need to know as far as Gordon Hayward here is that him coming off the books for $34 million, like that $34 million coming off the books still doesn't take them far enough to be below the cap, technically. And actually, if you're looking at the salary cap sheets, it actually does bring them below a certain level here where it almost looks like they're below the cap, but because they have exceptions to use, that keeps them technically over the cap. Again, complicated stuff. There are ways for them to actually get under the cap, but they still wouldn't have $34 million. There were ways before they used the exceptions to agree to deals with Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague. There was a way for them to find themselves some actual cap space, but they were so far over the cap that they weren't going to get $34 million in cap space. They were going to get potentially uh, 11 They could have gotten down to 11 but... It made more sense to not do that because staying over the cap allowed them to get two players. So it's it's so convoluted. I hope that explained enough that you understand that just because Tatum, I'm, I'm sorry, Hayward makes what he makes that exact number is not the space that is opened. It's, it's less. And it's different in different situations. So if he was on a different team and he left, they could have more than that amount of space. So it, it's, it's just because the Celtics were over the cap, because you can use exceptions to continue going over the cap because it's a soft cap, that's the situation. Michael, who is coming to us from Columbus, asks, last season, the players collectively pushed to expand voting rights and access to polling places. This season, what specific steps are players taking with or without co- cooperation from the league to ensure our communities continue to make progress on equality, democracy, and justice? It has been great to see players like Jalen Brown, LeBron James, George Hill, and others use their power to make a better world. Uh, Thanks, Michael. I I agree that it's been great to see young people use their, their platform to be active in the community and try to make this a better world. The league has been going, uh, going forward with some social justice initiatives that have been announced already. Uh, like a task force, and, and there are still things that they're doing in conjunction with the league 
moving forward. But that's all still in the preliminary stages. There's like diversity task force uh, forces and stuff like that. As far as the players, what are they doing for this upcoming season? That's an excellent question. I don't know. Um, and that's going to be one of the things that as players start to filter in, we need to figure out because they, they were clearly using their voices to affect change. Now, some things have changed. Some things are about to change, but that is just one step. Okay. The voting initiatives worked. The voting initiatives continue. Uh, we saw an insane turnout. We had never seen presidential candidates get over 70 million votes. And then this year, both got 70 million. Biden got over 80 million. That's the turnout was incredible. Now we've got to figure out how to keep going with that, that voter turnout. And however that turnout votes is how it votes. But the more people who are voting, the more indicative of how, uh, the country is feeling how our local governments, they're going to be more representative of the actual uh, will of the people. So when Jalen Brown comes back to camp and we start to talk to him and other guys, that's going to be a, a question. What are the players doing? What can they continue to do? How vocal are they going to continue to be? Because, and as an aside, Politics is an interest of mine because I've worked so many years. If you don't know, before I started covering the Celtics full-time, I was working on the news side in television, and I did a lot of political coverage. And so I have a a fairly decent background. I know that the presidential can, uh, campaigns, the presidential elections bring out all the people, and then everybody's like, okay. That we're done. We're going to go home. But in two years, they're going to be midterm elections, local elections. Before that, they're going to be community elections, town elections, runoffs in Georgia, stuff like that. They're just as important. In fact, more important because things that happen at the local level, city level, state level are the things that shape how presidential races go districts and voting laws and different like zoning like so many things have an impact a greater impact so it'll be interesting to see what these NBA players do to encourage more people to come out and vote in things like that because that's where change really starts to happen if you're interested in changing things it happens at the local level, but it's important for people to go out and vote. Whatever side you're voting for is your side, whatever your beliefs are your beliefs, but it is important, especially important in two years to have people come out and vote. So the players, uh, I want to see, I'm very curious to see how they use their voice. So thank you, Michael, for that. Up next, a question about Carson Edwards and what kind of chance will he have considering the current Celtics situation? 
So we're past Thanksgiving and we're on to Black Friday and looking towards Christmas. And at BuiltBar.com, they are dreaming of a white Christmas. Right now, there is an all-new white chocolate bar, white chocolate cookies and cream, and also white chocolate salted caramel. Each of them 130 calories, each of them with 17 grams of protein. They sound delicious. I'm sure they are delicious if they're anything like the other 18 flavors, which I've had, and they are delicious. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market. And I just told you, look at low calorie, high protein. On top of it, you get two free candy cane brownie bars with every item purchased. And those, 150 calories and 17 grams of protein. It's perfect. Are you looking to lose weight? You're looking to maintain weight? You can have one of these as a snack, as a post-workout kind of supplement, as a meal replacement. It's great. You go to BuiltBar.com right now, you're going to get 25% off everything for Black Friday. Everything. Plus, you can use the promo code LOCKED. You're going to get even more off, an even deeper discount. So now is the time to go to BuiltBar.com. You can get one of these white chocolate bars. You can get another bar that you've had. You can get another bar that you have wanted to try. You'll still get the two free candy cane brownie bars. You're still going to get 25% off. If you use the promo code LOCKED, you're going to get an additional discount at BuiltBar.com. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. I know you're out there doing your holiday shopping. I've got another gift that you should keep in mind for the Celtics fan in your life. It's my book, The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, The Best Players at Each Position for the Seas. It's available now wherever books are sold. You can search... Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. You can search my name on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, wherever you get your books, and you'll find it. I went through all of Celtics history. I considered many people at each position, and I picked two. Two point guards, two shooting guards, two small forwards, power forward centers, even two coaches, and two wildcard players. So I have a starter and a bench player. And then I have my two wildcard players. I had to leave some really big names off of this list. So if you go to wherever you want to buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever, and search for the Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, or you search my name, you'll find it. The book's only about 19 bucks less, even, at some places. And it's going to be shipping in a couple of weeks. So you'll get it in time for Christmas. So please go check out my book. Buy it for the Celtics fan in your life. Hell, buy it for yourself. Buy it for other people. Buy it for many people. Buy it for everybody that you know. <laughs> buy my book, please. All right. Back to the questions and two questions from Tom M in this segment. So I'll start with this. He says, I was really high on Carson Edwards when he was drafted, but he hasn't shown anything to merit the 33rd overall pick. Do you believe that he has the potential to turn into a rotation player for the 2021 Celtics? Will he have a chance to step up if Kemba misses time rehabbing from his knee injury? So question one is, sure, Carson Edwards will have a chance. 
Here's why I'm not high on Carson Edwards. He can be a good shooter, but he's not a consistent shooter. Like He's the type of guy that if he shoots 40%, he can miss, or let's say he shoots 50% in a game. He can miss 10 shots in a row and then hit his next 10. And you say, okay, well, that's, that's great. He, you know, he's still shooting 50%, but when it comes to his three-point shooting, he doesn't have the opportunity to shoot himself into a rhythm. That's my biggest thing with Carson Edwards. He can shoot. I mean, I've seen him light it up. We've all seen him light it up. I've seen him in practice. He can hit. He can hit from anywhere. I mean, he's got unlimited range, but he's inconsistent with the shot. You give him enough, and he'll shoot it at a decent percentage. But he's not going to come in and shoot 40% by hitting, you know, two of five from three. He needs to shoot four of ten from three. You know, like he needs those ten shots, and he'll miss his first five and then hit four of his next five. And they that's just not going to play with the Celtics right now. But he'll get a chance, assuming that he's still on the team, there's still a possibility that the Celtics can trade him, even as part of this Gordon Hayward thing. So he, and I've said this multiple times on the podcast, he has a role on this team if he can find a way to come off the bench hot. If he can come off the bench and hit one of his first two or three shots, then he has a chance to stick around and have and 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 be a part of this team and, and make a contribution. I don't think that he's going to run the team. I don't think he's going to be a point guard, but as a catch and shoot guy that can be a threat, if he can find a way to be a threat immediately off the bench, then yes. But if he can't, if he's still going to be the guy that needs 30 minutes to shoot himself into a rhythm, then he's not going to stick in the NBA. Then he needs to go to Europe and get those minutes. And I hate to say it that way, but that's that's still a fine career. Like going over overseas and playing on a really good European team, like, I mean, if you can live in Barcelona, if you can live in Spain and play for, you know, a high-level EuroLeague team, that's a pretty good life. And he could probably do that. He can probably do that. I mean, guys, Daniel Tice was an MVP. Like, he was, he was an all-star. Uh, Brad Wanamaker won, like, all-stars and, and finals MVPs. Like, Carson Edwards can go out there and do that. He can stick in the NBA. I'm not saying that he can't stick in the NBA. But if, if that skill doesn't develop, if shooting, coming off the bench hot, microwave style doesn't materialize, then that's going to be his option. Second question from Tom, which player or players currently on the roster are most expendable 
if a veteran contributor were to become available? Well, it depends. I mean, obviously it's going to depend on who the Celtics are willing to give up. I mean, I'm sorry, who, who from the Celtics and other team is willing to take. So are you upgrading on the wing? I mean, a lot of players are expendable. What are you looking for? You're looking for an expiring contract. You're looking for expiring deals. That's you, you can obviously trade any of the end of end of bench guys, but as far as like meaningful people, I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way: everybody's expendable for the right trade. Jason Tatum is expendable for like a Giannis trade. That's that's never ever going to happen, but he is. Marcus Smart is expendable for the right deal. That's probably not going to happen, but he is. More realistically, I'd say Daniel Tice is a candidate to go because Tristan Thompson is around, and if they believe in Robert Williams, then he can fill in. They can play Grant Williams and go small, but Tristan Thompson is good enough where Daniel Tice is expendable at $5 million. If there's a way to get that help, you package Tice with... Carson Edwards, and that's six and a half million dollars times, you know, 125%. You can match a guy making decent money. You know, that that's that's possible. Um, I don't think any of the top guys are actually going to go. When I say expendable, it's kind of an exaggeration, but like Kemba's not gonna go, I don't think. Obviously, not Jalen or Marcus or Jason. Um, Romeo Langford could go depending on the deal. I mean, after that, it's, it's Romeo Langford, Grant Williams. I mean, all these guys, it's like, it would suck in a lot of ways for these guys to go, but they're, they're all expendable in this, in this scenario, uh, in this particular question, the way this particular question is framed. But I would say number one, if a veteran contributor on the wing were to become available and Daniel Tice was the guy that helped make that happen. Then I, I I like I think Daniel Tice is a prime candidate. Okay. One of the favorite mailbag questions always tends to be who do you have in a fight? So that's coming up next and more questions about my own career. Okay? <laughs> that's going to be fun. It's next on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. If you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdown, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today, wherever you get podcasts. Peter F. sent in a question that begins, What a stressful, drawn-out week as a Celtics fan. I need a good laugh. Who do you have in a fight? A possible five-man combo this season of Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Shemi Ojale, Grant Williams, and Tristan Thompson versus The Field. Any possible five-man combo 
on any other team in the NBA. Well, who do you think I'm going to pick? First of all, any team with Marcus Smart on it is going to be a favorite. And you're throwing into it four guys that are yoked. Shemi Ojeley, Grant Williams, Jalen Brown. Tristan Thompson's no joke either. These are big guys. But, okay, big doesn't necessarily mean you can fight. I'm willing to bet that Marcus Smart is going to scrap. I'm willing to bet that these guys are going to be able to throw. Who else is out there? I seriously, I'm looking, I looked around the league to try to figure out who, who else is out there. And I can't find a single team with five guys that's going to match this. The closest I can get is the Miami Heat. I think the Miami Heat, like Jimmy Butler, I think he's got enough drive that he's just not going to give up. Bam out of bio. But then, I don't know, who do you add to that mix? I think Washington. I don't think John Wall is, is messing around. So I, I don't know if I'd want to – I don't know if he's going to throw a punch, but I still don't want to be uh, around when, when John Wall gets into a fight. I don't know. Like, you know, like, is, and what is this? Is this a free for all? Is this a five man tag match? Like, in a five man tag match, I'm taking the Celtics all the way. This is, I mean, Marcus Smart would be amazing in the WWE. So, I mean, is it like pick up a pipe and, you know, throw dirt, you know, in people's eyes? Like, is it a street fight? Or is it like, are we walking down the WWE intro music, all of that stuff? I would love to see a five-man tag with these guys. That's my take. I, I don't know. I got, I got nothing else for you there. So moving on. Mark wraps up the show by asking, Greetings from rural Kansas. Could you talk a bit more about your athletic career? Specifically, I would like to know the following. Did you win any accolades in high school and college? What were they? Well, uh, I was an all-division player in high school. Um, I didn't make All-State. I felt like I got screwed out of that. (laughs) They put a player in that I was better than, I swear. Um, But So I made... All division, I got a couple of those type of all league type of things in high school. Uh, in college, I made uh, a New England, I forget what it was called, like I made an all-star team my senior year. Um, I made like a bunch of all tournament teams. You play in a bunch of these tournaments, these little 14 tournaments, 16 tournaments. Um, whenever we played in those, I always made uh, an all tournament team for those things. And um, yeah, I think those are the only like actual accolades that I got. Uh, next question. Where specifically did you play as a pro and for how long? What was the salary like? What made you decide to quit playing? So the okay, the salary, I'm not going to tell you the exact number, but I'll tell you that it, it's not great. <laughs> and this is 20 years ago. Uh, I played, so I played for a, a team called Iacas Nafplio, which is in a city called Nafplio in Greece which is southwest of Athens on the Peloponnesos. It's the first modern capital of Greece. 
It's a nice little tourist destination. It's right on the water. Um, it is a small team. So the way those leagues work is there's like the big teams, the Olympia Coast, the Panathinaikos, the, the, where like when I was talking about Carson Edwards, like he would go play on one of those A1 teams. Okay. Below those teams are the B leagues, B1, B2. And the team I was on, so if you're, if you're, if you win, you get promoted. But if you're at the bottom of the league, you get relegated to the, the level below. So the bottom teams in the A, A1 division, there's the last two teams when I was playing. If you're like the last place team and the next to last place team, you get relegated down to B1. And the last two teams in B1 go down to B2. And then obviously the other way around, the top two teams move up. My team got relegated down to B2 the year before. It was not a good team. If you look at some of the old Giannis Antetokounmpo videos of like the crappy gyms that he was playing in in his like really young days of playing professionally in Greece, those are the types of gyms that I was playing in. Um, I played for one season and that plays into what made you decide to quit playing. My body basically decided for me after a couple of serious injuries, uh, including a back injury and a torn quad that just at that point, I wasn't making uh, a ton of money. I was making basically what most people like the, whatever the average, like middle-class salary is like, it's just, it was just like a regular old job. You know, I got perks, you know, like I didn't have to pay for anything, but it, it wasn't like I was making millions of dollars. Okay. It was just a normal, normal guy playing on a crappy team. And like I tore my quad and I hurt my back trying to come back too early from tearing my quad. And at that point I was just like, you know what? I'm done. So then he finally, the final question here is being as honest as you can, <laughs> what percent of an end of the bench NBA player were you at your peak in the following categories? Scoring, rebounding, defense, game IQ, intangibles. So I want to stress that I was never at all anywhere remotely close to an end of bench NBA guy. So as honestly as I can, zero, zero percent in all of those. I played on a bad <laughs> Greek team and got hurt and decided to leave rather than rehab and continue my career on a bad team. So I am not going to pretend, and I never have, that I was good enough to be at that level, at the NBA level. I will say, though, my intangibles were off the charts. So in all of these others, like I, I couldn't score. I mean, I could shoot. Um, I was a good rebounder. I can box out. But at the NBA level, I'm 6'5". I'm a guard, and I don't have guard skills. So I grew up in Rhode Island. I, I have big man skills because in Rhode Island, 6'5 is a big man. If I was born in Brooklyn, then maybe I would have had point guard skills, and that might be different. But um, 
I could score at my level. I could score. I scored almost 1,500 points in college. Uh, rebounding, I had almost 1,000 rebounds in college. Defense, I had um, – what did I finish with? I averaged – I finished with like 200-something blocks. I averaged like two, two and change blocks per game. My game IQ, I think, was pretty good. Um, but the intangibles, that's where I – that's like I would never be out-hustled, never be outworked, never, 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 never. I was that's that's where I if I had any level of NBA skill you could put me out there and I would die before I quit. And that's that's where I would have any chance at being around an NBA team. And what they would probably do is like, "Hey, wow, you really work hard. Why don't you like be the water boy or something? <laughs> Maybe you could work in a developmental role, I don't know." But my my hustle, I will say I will say that I, I always like to say this. I didn't have the physical skills, the physical tools, to play in the NBA because a guy my size is supposed to dribble like Kyrie Irving or somewhere close to that, and I can't do that. Okay, that's fine. I got to the highest possible level that I could, but I worked just as hard as any basketball player trying to get better, and. My body could only go so far, but I pushed my body to get 100% of the basketball that I could out of it. It's probably why I broke down when I was playing professionally because I played well enough to get there. And then by that time, it was just, that was my time. That was it. I could have rehabbed. I could have gone back. I probably would have gotten hurt again. That's just, just how it was. We talk about injury-prone players and how I say Gordon Hayward's not injury prone because I know what injury prone is. I was injury prone. And that's, that's just the, the, that's just what it is. Um, but I will swear by this and I, any teammate that I've had, any coach that I've had will confirm it that I worked my ass off and players are taller, faster, jump higher all of that stuff, for sure. They have physical NBA tools that got them to the NBA, but no one outworked me. That's that's that was what I hung my hat on. Didn't matter how much I felt like quitting, no one outworked me. And I try to carry that over to this. I try to carry that over to covering the Celtics and saying, "All right, what do I need to do?" I got to keep on working. That's all I know. You know, it comes from my dad who came over from Greece with nothing and built businesses and, you know, did okay for himself. And, you know, that work ethic was instilled in me. And so when it comes to a podcast, when it comes to my writing, like I can't accept being outworked by somebody. Maybe somebody has a better idea, but... I'm, I'm going to put in the time. I'm going to put in the effort. So I hope that answers your question, Mark. Um, yeah, I got nothing else to add. <laughs> that, that's, that's my basketball life in a nutshell. Every Friday's a mailbag, so you can email me, jcorrales at masslive.com. As you just heard, you can ask non-basketball questions, non-Celtics questions. You can ask about me. You can learn more about me. If you want, that's fine. I'm happy to share. Uh, 
I'm guessing that you probably want to know more about the Celtics than me, but whatever. Please ask me your Celtics questions. We're now heading into the season, so lots of Celtics questions to ask. Email me, jcorrales at masslive.com. If you're a new listener and you've made it this far, I hope you find it in your heart to subscribe to the show. Get it directly to your device every Monday through Friday. You regular listeners, if you haven't given it five stars, please do. If you haven't written a good written review, please do. And if you haven't told people that they should be listening to this show and sharing it, then please tell them to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.